0: You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. I hope you're uh, enjoying your week. Ryan, it's always a pleasure to see you, my friend.
1: Hello, good to see you too.
0: Sometimes I feel like my energy is down, but then you know, you don't want to be all high strung on these things when people are listening on the road and it's easy going, it's easy to listen to. Hey, how are you? I don't want to hear that shit. No, you want it comforting. You want it comforting. All announcers should talk like this, Ryan. should be gentle inside of you. Gently inside of you. Uh, I appreciate all the, uh, the fan mail. I appreciate all the well wishes. Um, you guys are great. All my patrons. I love you. You know that if you want to support the podcast in more than one way, go to patreon.com slash inside of you, I'll write a little message to you. It's awesome. Uh, there's lots of perks. Some people get boxes from me every couple of months and there's just tons of stuff. Check it out. Patreon.com slash inside of you. Uh, and also we just, we're going to get right into the interview, but, uh, uh, If you want to follow us, if you're listening for Neil McDonough, I'd love for you to follow the podcast on the social and subscribe means a lot. Spread the word uh, at inside of you podcast on the uh, Instagram and Facebook at inside of you pod on the Twitter. And that's how that is. And then you can subscribe on YouTube. You can watch the whole video or you could listen in your car like some of you are doing right now. Raj, I know you're there. I know you're listening. Just a random name. I mean, he's a patron, so I thought I'd give him a shout out. You know what I mean? I hope he doesn't crash when he hears that. Yeah. I was, oh, well, what the heck? No, he <gasps> he'd probably just be upset about it. Uh, and if you want to shop at the Inside of You online store, go there. And there's uh, there's tons of stuff. Lex Luthor uh, autograph pictures. There's you can get small the lunch boxes uh, inside of you tumblers, T-shirts, much more. Also, my band Sunspin. I'm wearing the Sunspin shirt. You can go to sunspin.com, get shirts, book zooms with me, uh, lots of other stuff. And uh, yeah, that's that's that. And uh, great guest. Did you enjoy this one? Yeah, it was a fun one. I did. This guy has been in everything, like Desperate Housewives, Band of Brothers, Minority Report, Flags of Our Father, uh, Walking Tall, uh, just, I mean, everything. He's been in everything, and he's always so committed. And what a great story and how open he was. Uh, I'm excited about this one. I think this one's, uh, I think people are going to like this one. I hope you like it. I'm sure you'll tell me if you don't. He's also a friend of mine. I play ice hockey with him. He, he and his wife have a wonderful relationship. I love watching them together. They're the perfect example of, the rare example, when a couple just works. They work so well together, and I love the love that they share. And uh, it uh, gives me hope. Let's get inside of Neil McDonough. It's my point of view. Listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. Alright, so look. Uh we know each other. We we go to these hockey tournaments. It's been many years, but I always I always just loved you and Ruvet, your wife, and I just, you have this energy together where you see a couple together and you're like, oh, that couple, you know, that couple's going to make it. A lot that's of right. couples you look at and you don't see that. But with so you coping guys. are
2: with each other 21 years later. That, that's that's kind of the key to it. It's, you know, you know, we're sitting here last night, you know, having dinner. We're, we're back here in Canada now. We're quarantining for a while. And you know, a song comes on the radio, and the kids are just hanging. We're all having dinner, and I just grabbed Ravine and started dancing with her in front of all the kids, and dipped her, and groped her, and kissed her. And that's what you do. You got to show your kids love too and affection. That's you know, that's what that, that's what makes everyone happy.
0: Neil, this podcast isn't about me, but I never saw that once. I never saw my father grab my mother and kiss her. And I mean, maybe I saw him kiss her once, or but like, yeah, it was very rare to see them.
2: It was a different, it was a different time. It was, uh, you know, my, my mom and dad, you know, kissed each other, but I never saw them really groping. But you know, they, yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, they, they they were they were you know affectionate enough in, in that time and age. But you know, now it's a, it's a different time, and it, it's okay to show your feelings and your emotions towards people. And and, and you know, I, I think I think that's 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 if there's anything good that's come out of all of this as of late, it's you know, find the people that you love and love snod out of. Don't don't stop loving and, and and enjoy them because you don't know. What's up next? You don't know what's coming on tomorrow. You don't, and you can't worry about what happened yesterday. All you can worry about is what's happening in this moment right now, and just find the love. You know, and Michael, you've always been that way. You've always been about okay. You know, we'd be in locker rooms and it'd be, you know, tense or boring or something. You'd come in and, and start cracking jokes and make everyone, you know, <laughs> you know, light and happy. And, 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 you know, you're amazing at that. You're, you are the, the love infuser in every room that I go to, which is great.
0: Well, I think it comes from insecurity. I come into a room and I just feel like I, I have to say something. I have to do something. If they laugh, they like me. Maybe but you no know, else, what like else you?
2: does. You know, everyone's, you know, everyone's serious in life. Life is, is, has gotten very serious on so many levels. Yeah. You know, but you, Rosie, you come in and just, you, you shake it up. And it's, it's it's you know, well, this is my, by the way. My first podcast.
0: This is the very first podcast you're doing.
2: The very first one. Very first one. I'm, I'm honored that I'm on your show, Mike.
0: I am honored too, and I and I give credit a lot to the wife, the wifey Reve. because Reve made that happen, didn't she?
2: Totally, absolutely. You know, if it weren't you, I, I, I you know, me, i a pretty private guy.
0: Why is it? Why is it that you don't do podcasts? Have you not been asked? I'm sure you've been asked.
2: Yeah, I just, I've just never. I, I like. I love acting and I love the mystique of Neil McDonough as this actor and that no one really knows that much about him, but in real life, I'm this really goofy family guy, you know, and I kind of, I like my private life with, with, with and the kids, you know, and, and as much as I put myself out there, you know, I coach all the kids in their sports or, you know, I'm there for all the meetings or I'm there for whatever it takes to make the kids, you know, succeed whenever they can succeed in or be happier. You know, I'm always, I'm all in. And acting to me is is my job and I generally don't talk about it too much
0: <laughs> all right <laughs> well well uh, by the way we have this new segment called um how you doing it's kind of a mental health check-in it's just how you doing and and it's just like right now I know you're quarantining in in Canada and you got the family and you got five of you and, well six of you counting Revee. seven of <laughs> you counting you <laughs> seven. Eight, <my> <laughs> seven you're the Brady bunch but I mean how are you doing are you are I mean look you're a happy go lucky guy but uh you know how how are you feeling? How are you doing? I've
2: always been that guy. You know, I've I have a great relationship with God, and and that's kind of paramount to me. And it's God first, me second, or family first, me second. And, you know, those kind of the, the mantras that I always kind of live by. So you know, through all this, you know, through this pandemic, as horrible and horrific as as it has been for so many people, you know, you know, just you know, tragic on you know, personal ways and economic ways, in so many ways, that, that's been so hard, and it's been hard on on us too, but. You know, overall, it has given me, you know, a phenomenal gift that I got to spend an exorbitant amount of time with my wife and my five kids, you know, and, you know, we used did a film this last year uh, called Boone that Rubey and I produced together. Uh, and we did in Spokane, which was, which was awesome. Uh, and, you know, the whole family was with us the whole time. So literally, I was sitting, we were sitting there having dinner last night and sitting around the table. And I said to Rubey, I said, you know, we haven't, we've been with the kids 24-7 for a year. And we love each other more today than we did even yesterday. And it's it's been such a blessing to get to hang out with, you know, with them and get to know them because usually we're at work or you're, you're traveling or this or they're at sports or they're at ballet or they're something. it's been great that on on one level that we got to spend so much time with each other and learn from each other and and try to make each other better.
0: But don't you don't, I mean, come on, you're human. You got to have bad days. You got to have, lose your stuff every once in a while. Oh,
2: absolutely. You're, you know, we're we're dads, we're humans, we're we're husbands, but but, you're always trying to be, you know, you know, I, I'm blessed that I'm not that intelligent, you know, that I can just keep my nose down and keep pressing with with the same kind of message in my head of, of trying to find goodness and try to be the best that I can be in everything that I do. Wow. You know, so it's, it's, it's kind of always a driving force to me. How can I eat better? What can I do to to work out better? What can I do to make God happy? What can I do to make for and the kids happier? So like five years ago, you know, you know, as, as a young, as a good Irish guy, you know, I love drinking. You know, it, it was it was part of my everyday thing, and it, it was always there and accessible, especially when you're in Hollywood. It's like, hey, Neil, have a drink, have another drink, have another drink. Yeah. And, and five years ago, I just cut it out. I said, okay, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And for five years, I've been sober, and it's been, you know, you know, the greatest decision, second greatest decision I ever made in my life, other than obviously asking everybody to marry me. Were
0: you were you drinking a lot though, for someone to? Yeah, I
2: was. Or? You know, I was a Hollywood guy. You're always drinking. It's always partying. I'm Irish, so. You know, it, it definitely became a problem for me and it was a problem that I, I didn't want my kids to see and I didn't want... Look, being being a, trying to be the best dad you can be, that doesn't fit in. Trying to be the best husband you can be, it, it doesn't fit in. And trying to be great at work. You know, the last five years of work for me have been, you know, really just phenomenal from just being, you know, the bad guy in everything yeah. to, you know, the good guy. And now I'm, I'm off doing... Ryan Murphy just called me this week to to play Eisenhower in American Horror Story.
0: Wow, um, wow! I could totally see that.
2: Totally, I could totally, totally, totally. see yeah. it. That's
0: fantastic.
2: Yeah. So you know, the, you know, the good Lord works in strange ways. Here we are. You know, are moving back to California. Don't know where. Don't know what we're gonna do. And then we get this. That you know, shooting the show now this fall. You know, at Fox you know it, it's it's a great way to come back into los angeles uh and I, you know i couldn't be happier or more blessed that that this gift was given to me from above and from ryan murphy
0: that's amazing and so
2: uh, when i meet ryan there's gonna be a big hug going his way because that's that's such a, a great gift to play someone that i have always looked up to as you know you know a centrist when it comes to, to politics as, as was eisenhower you know, the things that that guy did, you know, everyone, you know, he was, he almost ran on the Democratic ticket, almost ran the Republican, you know, he finally ran the Republican ticket. But, you know, he, he was this amazing guy who cared so much about humanity and uh, learning so much about him now in the last couple of days doing more research. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, you know, gobsmacked at how fortunate nice. I am to, to, to play someone amazing like Ike.
0: That is freaking awesome. You know, you talk about religion and you're a devout Catholic and you've been, I mean, was this something that was instilled on in you by your parents? And, or from, from a young age that you just kept with you and it got stronger and stronger, was that a, a kind of thing? Or did you find it at an age or how did that happen?
2: No, it, it was, it was, you know, my parents were, you know, growing up in Boston, I lived right across the street from the church at, at St. Peter's. So, um, you know, I was always at the church or you know playing stickball in front of the church or, or you, know, you know, when we finally moved to Cape Cod, I spent a lot of time, you know, going to mass every Sunday with, you know, my mom would, we had a motel. So my mom would go to the early mass, uh, my dad would go to the evening mess. Did your
0: parents uh, the owned, they were motel owners.
2: Yeah, Small motel, mom and pop motel, 40 room motel in Cape Cod. Wow. Great way to grow up. Had a lake, had a coffee shop. You know, by the time I was five, I was washing dishes in the restaurant and showing rooms and, you know, doing, you know. and by the time I was 20, I was you know, running, uh, we, we bought a second motel. Uh, and uh, it, it was just a great way to grow up and, and learn business. It was a really fantastic place. Right. But, you know, so I would go to church with my dad, on, you know, on Sundays at five o'clock. And, you know, it was, it was always just a bonding time with me and my dad. And, and I always loved that time. And, you know, we would do the baskets and do the collections and then we'd go to, to John's Loft restaurant, which is in Hyannis. The whole family would meet after. And, you know, my brothers and my sister, uh, you know, four older brothers and older sister, they all went to parochial school. I was the only one who didn't. So, you know, I'm only, the only one who's really still practicing Catholicism, which was, it was interesting. So it, it was more of an organic, uh, you know, relationship that, that I, that I had. And then when I was in high school, uh, I did this uh, thing called echo and then I, and I really became close to to God in, in my relationship and tried to just aspire to be, be better instead of being, you know, you know, I, I just tried to be the best at everything I could do. And right. I became very competitive with just myself, not with anybody else. And, um, it, it was a relationship with God. I always just say, be the best you can be. Just try harder.
0: Well, that's gotta be tough. That's gotta be tough because in this, in Hollywood to be someone who's religious. Now, obviously we, you've talked about this ad nauseum and people know about it, but like you've gotten like released or couldn't do roles or refused to do roles based on like, you won't do a kissing scene. Right. But some, no, for some.
2: Unless you know the, the great. Yeah. I won't, I won't do kissing scenes. I'm, I've, I've never wanted to do it. And, you know, I got crucified about 10 years ago where you know, they thought I was this religious zealot that I wouldn't do sex scenes. And it was really because I love my wife more than I love my craft. And people couldn't understand, they couldn't grasp that. So I had to become the best bad guy uh, because I had to provide for my five kids and, and a beautiful wife. And and so, you know, the, that's what I, I had to keep doing. And then finally, a couple of years ago, when I started to executive produce things, I did this movie called Greater, which is this faith-based football film. Phenomenal movie, and and you know that started me on the trend of doing these good guys with this gray past and, and grappling with their faith. And now this this film that we just finished called Boone uh, is, is that he's a hitman who has to find his place with, with God. And it's you know it's great that I that Ravey and I now get to create vehicles for me that I get to write and and be in that I don't have to just do uh, you know movies that are out there that i have to go fight for I can build my own movies and 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 craft them that way and so so for me to, to also have that ability to to make movies that talk about god and talk about how we are flawed and how we all make mistakes and how it's it's how you you know get up after you make a mistake not not, not wallowing in your mistake yeah a better person and and i like making movies like that TV shows like that and you know that's you know, if, if I never make a movie for anyone else again for the rest of my life I'm okay with it as long as I'm making movies that, I, that's crazy. that remain doing and, and with a great message.
0: I mean, you, you know that you talk about that, and do you, you think when I, it was scoundrels, right? That was the big thing that scoundrels—you wouldn't do a sex scene or something—and then they released you. And so, you saying after that, it was it was a very difficult time in your life for work. I mean, were you or were you only getting oh, back yeah,
2: talk about drink? Talk about drinking then. You know, there was two years of me not getting a job and losing my you know, big house at Hancock park and cars and everything and begging from this. And, you know, I would, I was never a guy who would ask to, to borrow money from anyone. I'd rather just figure it out myself. So I lost basically everything. Uh, and then, you know, I, I've told the story before that, you know, I, I, you know, and me being a great, you know, go to church every day, you know, always praying trying to figure out what's going on in one day in my house, you know, before we had to sell it, before it got foreclosed on to start with, um, you know, I remember saying to God, why have you forgotten about me? What have I done that I deserve this? And as soon as that came out of my mouth, Michael, I fell to the ground and started sobbing. Uh, and two minutes later, I got a phone call from Graham Yost, who wrote Band of Brothers in Boomtown. He goes, hey, you want to be the villain in a couple episodes of Justify? <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, and it was kind of the greatest thing that ever happened to me in so many ways, because I, I fell in love with acting again, because I had something to prove. I had to prove to everyone that you know, that I am a great actor and and that, you know, a person that you want to have on your set. And after the very first take of the first scene, uh, Graham came up to me and goes, you want to be the villain for the whole year, don't you? And I said, yeah, I do. And and I was. And because wow. of that, you know, awards came and attention came and all of a sudden everyone started forgetting about uh, the other stuff. And, you know, it's been, you know, the last 10 years of work has been, you know, coming up here to Vancouver with all the shows. That, you know, I owe so much to Greg Berlanti for bringing me up for, or, you know, Hero. Arrow, Flash, and Legends, and right. then Yellowstone came up with that, and Suits, and you know all these other shows and movies. And it's just been, uh, it's just been a phenomenal, phenomenal couple of years, and uh, yeah, no, I, I could I couldn't be happier.
0: Inside of you is brought to you by Rocket Money. Before I started using Rocket Money, I thought I had, you know, like, oh, I have like five subscriptions. I could not believe it when they showed me I was paying for like four extra uh, between, you know, streaming devices and fitness apps, delivery services. It's never ending. And thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lowering your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money
2: takes care of the rest they'll deal with the customer service for you. And I don't like that.
0: Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com inside. That's rocketmoney.com inside. Rocketmoney.com inside. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important if you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do it's going to come out and it's not going to come out in great ways all the time um BetterHelp has helped me substantially ryan here have been using it for a while and i you know don't you notice when you don't use better help when you don't have therapy oh the weeks where i miss a session of course yeah yeah it's just it's 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 like I mean, do you deep down like playing the villain better or is it kind of no. like you don't because you, you've played it so many times?
2: Uh, you know, it's, it's not that I I, I I really like playing guys more like us, guys who are human, and guys who are flawed, and guys who are trying to do the right thing. And right. those are the guys that 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 I've always gravitated towards. I've always loved, you know, you know John Wayne's movies. You know, I always loved, you know, Clint Eastwood's movies. I love the simple messages of this guy's flawed, but at the end of the day, he's going to be the Popeye Doyle. He's going to get the job done, you know, however he has to do it. He's going to get the job done. And I love those guys. You know, it's kind of like my, you know, my dad or, or my family growing up, you know, we'd get the job done and, and that's kind of the guys that I like, so when to play villains, yeah, they're fun. They're absolutely fun. You know what it's like to play a villain, yeah. they play one of the greatest villains of all time. And, you know, to, to, to have that, you know, kind of fun, you know, you can never make a bad choice as long as you believe it. You can go as right. big as you want or as small as you want as a villain, and no one ever gives you notes. Good guys get notes.
0: <laughs> That's for sure.
2: For, for me, when I, I could kill 50 guys in a scene, and after that, you know, we're laughing and going back home, and everything's normal. But if as a good guy, you know, with the you know, hard on the sleeve type of characters I've been playing, especially for the last few years, it's hard to slough those guys up. You know, if you go back to, you know, Buck Compton and Band of Brothers or, you know, Wyatt Kane and, and Tin Man, those are the, the good guys that I played that were really hard for me to, to, to shake off because I had to really dig deep into in, me and pull out more of the real Neil McDonough to play those characters instead of playing Damian Dark, which was a blast. Don't get me wrong. I had I had a phenomenal time playing Damien Dark for all these years. Um and, and I look forward to playing him again, but I, I do love playing, you know, the good guys because I get to learn more about me and appreciate what I have
0: is uh Morgan little buck. Is that uh, that comes yeah, um, from L- little buck is, is, bigger than me now. He's you know, 15 and six foot one. And, you know, he's,
2: you know, just this great kid. He, he, you know, all the kids have done, you know, really well. And Ruben is just, you know, just the most incredible mother, you know, so they're, they're doing really well at school, really well at sports. Um, you know, Morgan uh, last year uh, as a freshman, they, they gave away this, this award citizen of the year. Uh, in his high school. And they gave it to Morgan. And I was like, well, it's because he got all A's and captain of his team that asked, asked the principal. He goes, no, it's it's what he does with the developmentally disabled kids. I was like, what? You didn't know this? I didn't know. And he goes, yeah, he walks every morning. He takes the kids who have you know, Down syndrome or autism and walks them to the cafeteria for lunch.
0: And how old? He, he
2: was 14 at the time, when, You know, when he, a freshman in high school. Uh, grade eight up here. Uh, so... You know, I asked him about it. And he goes, yeah. Well, you know, people kind of perceive me to be this kind of good, cool kid, I guess. So I said, you know, I don't want to see these kids get laughed at. So I walked them to lunch.
0: That just makes makes me want to tear up right there. I just felt it, like right when you said that. Like, and that I got to tell you, that's good parenting. I mean, you know, things like yeah, that.
2: Yeah, it's. it's- you know, and we try to infuse. You know, we talk about God a lot. We talk about your, your relationship with with God in life, and how you can strive to be the best you can be at you know whatever you do, and to try to always do the right thing. When a lot of people don't have the bravery or the you know the hoods, but to get up and and to kind of do the right thing. And and you know, you know that kid is you know he does it, and now that permeates to all of our other kids. You know, our kids are. You know, they're, they're all dynamite in, in their own different ways. And, and you know Rave and I are just so blessed to, to have them as our kids and, and getting to know them so well over the last year. It's, it's been you know the blessing and icing on the cake.
0: I love it. You, you just did a uh, a June 6th, the, the D-Day Zoom with 200 people from Band of Brothers. Who was on that Zoom with you? Anybody famous?
2: Well, Donnie Wahlberg finally came on, which is great. Donnie was in. Uh, Kirk Acevedo was on there. Uh, Freddie Joe, our, our technical advisor, and a bunch of the cast, and it was, it was basically mostly just fans, just just kind of tuning in. And again, you know, uh, I don't. This is the first time I had done any kind of Zoom thing for Ben and Brothers, and it it was awesome. You know, that Matthew put this whole thing together, and to talk about the bravery of these guys, you know, everyone who was part of Ben Brothers learned so much because we got to learn from from a generation that didn't complain. You know, you know here you are light infantry supposed to be going into normandy for a day or two with with a, a leg bag that is probably going to get blown off your leg that is of course if you survive the, the landing and then to be there for you know almost two months you know without you know having to scrounge for food having to scrounge for weapons having a scrounge for bullets have to scrounge for everything you know th- these guys learned toughness at a young age and you know it it, it, it permeated through us like crazy you know i remember we were talking about the other day about four or five days into boot camp it was almost like a mutiny because they were just beating us up so bad which you know i, I really enjoyed uh
0: really the, you enjoyed I, that
2: i, I love, my dad was a sergeant in the army so i, I love pt uh, i love you know the, 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 the let's go I, I enjoy sure. that stuff i really do <laughs> um, and, and, so
0: did you see other guys cry did anybody get real- yeah
2: just yeah, a lot of the english guys just couldn't you know because it's pro so pro-american you know bad brothers fantastic a lot of the english guys who just the sweetest nicest guys are like what is what, what what did we sign up for uh and then tom hanks came in uh, a helicopter with his castaway beard and hair and gave us this speech as to why we owe it to the men of Easy Company to work our butts off to tell the truth because they died for us. And we not for them. We wouldn't be speaking English right now. Wow. We wouldn't be the America that we are right now. We wouldn't be the great country that we became. We're not for these men who gave their lives for us. <sighs> Michael, after that, everyone was just like, yes, sir. Was
0: he emotional? Was he emotional during that speech? because it it meant the world to him it wasn't just because it was his show and and, you know he was the producer and writer and director and you know he he tom hanks is different from
2: from just about everyone else i've ever met because he did it because it was the right thing you know he flew all the way from hawaii just for a 20 minute speech and then flew right back who does that You, you know you know it could have been a video conference or something way back then or something but no tom hanks said let's let's get on a plane and fly over there and talk to the boys and Make sure they're on the right track, and after that, you know, we 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 tore it up because we knew we owed it to these guys who gave everything for our freedom.
0: What was the so. worst day that you could remember that you were just physically and mentally done more so than you've ever been? There had to be probably a, it was a winter's day, I, I would assume.
2: Yeah, no, it, it was the, the hardest. You know, for me, always knowing that my character is going to have a mental breakdown. Uh, I, I got the greatest acting lesson here. I went to Syracuse University and Lambda in London, the greatest schools, theater all over the place, pure method actor, crazy. Um, and about two months into dating Reve, because <clears throat> we met on the first day I got into town, uh, she says, look, you, 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 you're not my sergeant. You, you gotta, like work, you you punch your card at the clock and when you're done, work it, work, it stays at work and, and you live your life after. <laughs> method actor. Yeah, you know, I live my character 24-7. This is what I'm supposed to do. Those are the two loneliest days I've ever had. And then finally I went back to her band. I and I said, you know what? Yeah, I think you got a point there. Maybe I need to live my life a little <laughs> more instead of just worrying about the character. And after that, you know, since then, my, you know, I, I it helps so much with acting. I, I couldn't even explain it to you that you have to open up to life to to really become a great vessel for whoever is giving you the dialogue.
0: So right? you're able to turn off. Like, you're able to turn off now. You're not...
2: I can turn up between takes. I I I, I figure out a way to really uh, to do that because you know that was a gift that Renee gave me. And, and you wow. know when I'm when I'm working, I'm working. But when I'm when I'm not, I I can you know chill and, and, and such. But you know the, the worst thing knowing knowing that I, my character is going to break down was when I had to do my fun. You know near the end when Buck Compton started to break. You know that that was by far the hardest thing that that I've probably ever had to do. As an actor, after spending so much time with these guys, knowing what Buck went through, uh, and to see his friends just blown up in front of him. Um, you, you know, that moment where I come out of the foxhole and I drop my helmet was just, it, it was, you know, pent up emotion from several months of, of knowing this moment was coming. And what came out of me was, was you know, unscripted and and just raw. And I just, you know, I I like to call it puking on the canvas and I love just puking my soul on a canvas. And that was, that was one of my best pukes. You know, I just, I just let it all out there because, you know, I, 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 you know, I owed it to, to Buck and and his family and and to everyone to make sure that I did it right. And and I I, I think we did. And, And it was, you know, it was such a blessing.
0: Do you like direction? Do you like when a when a, a director comes up to you and, and and tells you first of all I hate direction on the first take. Let me do a first take before you give me any notes here. Let's let's let, let me get into this a little bit. But is it something that you 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 welcome it? You enjoy it? You uh or is it something that just you know always rubs you the wrong way usually and you're like fuck, here we go again.
2: Well, being being an athlete that I was, you know, played so many years in sports. Right. That I treat the first take like it's game day. So I get uber prepared for things. You know, I know my dialogue backwards and forwards and upside down and everything. You know, Jimmy Stewart, you know, once I read this one quote and goes, what's the key to acting? It's just memorizing your lines over and over and over and over and over again, and then just saying them." And 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 there's something true to that. So for me, my first take is always my best take. Um, So (laughs) I'm always really prepared, and I come with such choices then, you know, I'll talk to the director beforehand, you know, to kind of say, okay, what are you feeling for this? And, you know, what, what, what's your take on this? And I'll, I'll take their information, his or her direction, and then and then have that in the back of my head and work with it. Um, So, generally, I don't generally get a lot of direction because I'm so prepared. You know, in TV, you don't have a lot of time for direction anyway, because you get your lines out, let's move on, we get a 12-page day to go. So, you know, you better be prepared when it, when it comes to feature films, you know, directors have a little bit more time. It can kind of tweak and, and get little nuances and such. So I do like when, when, you know, good directors have good ideas. I don't particularly like when bad directors have bad ideas and, you know, I'll just nod politely and say, thank you. And, um, try try to make them, try to make them happy too. You know, I always want to make everybody happy as a team player. Right. Uh, but, you know, I, I definitely prefer a good direction.
0: I mean, have, have you ever had it where you have this direction and you're so set on what you want to do and it's like a, a 180 and this guy's asking you to do things that you're like, I, and it's frustrating and you like, how do you deal with that? Have you dealt with that?
2: Yeah. In, in my earlier years, when I'd come in with, this is what I'm going to do and wouldn't take into consideration what everyone else was doing, you know, then that would be hard, you know, right out of the gate, but I learned quick to, this isn't about me. It's a, it's a team sport acting to me is the greatest team sport. So for, for me, it's, it's being as malleable as, as possible, like a big piece of clay, just memorizing my dialogue and taking in what the director has. So if you, if you come in so set as to, this is your game plan, like Ali, Ali would go into a fight and he really wouldn't watch much tape He'd see, he'd feel the punches of the first round or two and kind of get through it, you know? And that's, that's kind of acting for me. I don't want to come in with, with such a game plan that, you know, if this is exactly what I'm going to do and the director wants something exactly different, well, then then, then that's not going to work. Right. So it, it it's, you know, this is why I love producing now because, uh, yeah, you know, you know, look, I've been doing it long enough. I've been doing it for you know, 130 movies and TV shows, or well, I don't know what, that, what the tally is now. Something like that. I know this. I just celebrated my 53rd death scene in a movie. Uh,
0: good. <laughs> You've <good>. died 53, <laughs> times.
2: 53 times. 53 times. Good ones too, not like like piddly, ones. Like good, solid death scenes in movies and TV shows. So it's, it's pretty awesome.
0: Somebody needs to do a compilation of that and show all your death scenes in, in, in order. Oh. That, that
2: good isn't that that, wouldn't that be great that would be really good yeah that'd be great
0: what's your best death your favorite death scene that you were in um being stabbed to death in the
2: chest by anthony hopkins in red 2 is just a blast because well it was with anthony hopkins (laughs) that was pretty great um death scenes i mean there's just so many good ones um
0: well didn't you die in ravenous
2: Oh, died died in a ravelous, ravenous. Yeah, I got eaten in ravenous. That was that was great fun. Um, they hung me upside down to kill me and dried me out like a like a like a lamb skewer and just flayed me. I guess that was the, the best.
0: I mean, you were nuts in that movie. You and and Car, Carlisle.
2: Oh, no. Well, like that. You know, there is there is when I was still pure method that you know we're shooting in the Czech Republic and Slovakia and I made them take the beds out of my hotel room so I sleep on the floor like a soldier and run obscene amounts of miles and and run up water mains. You know. Completely, completely, I'm you know, kind of a little claustrophobic. So I figured my character had to overcome his, his fears of this. And I was nuts, you know, you know, ice cold baths every day, just to prove how tough I was and bazillion pushups and weights and everything. You know, it, it was, now I do the same thing, but, but you know, differently. You know, it's, uh, you know, I've grown as a human being. and I think, you know, even after doing all this acting for so many years, I feel like I'm just scratching at it now. I'm really starting to understand, oh, that's the new one set that, that I was looking for years ago that I wasn't smart enough or confident enough to be able to do it. And now after doing it with so many people and for so many people, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot easier for me now to be able to, to, to really act well. And and again, you know, a lot of it is because I have so much to draw from when, when you have a wife like Rebain, five kids and, and a great life, there's tons of things that you can draw from good and bad. So, um, my, you know, by having a big wholesome life, it, it, it certainly helps with my acting
0: for certain. You do you do what I do. You you say you said it a couple of times where you're not that smart, which is is bullshit. I I say that and my listeners are always like stop saying you're not smart. Stop doing that to yourself. It, it stems from childhood and not thinking I was smart enough, and people tell me I'm not smart enough. So I say it. Uh, it's not that I think I'm an idiot. I just think everybody's different different caliber of smart. You know, street smart, whatever. Uh, obviously, you're smart. You're you're an intelligent guy. I mean, you couldn't be doing the things you're doing, right?
2: Yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm a good hunch person. I go with my, my gut instinct is always really good.
0: <laughs> yeah. You
2: know, you know, it, you know, you can go to the great universities in the world and so on. And so it doesn't necessarily make you smart. You know, Rubei never went to college and she's by far the smartest, certainly the, the most streetwise savvy person that, that I know. And she can ask people things that I wouldn't even have the balls to even think about asking. And she gets it done. And, the, 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 you know, everyone says you've had such a great career you know like yeah i've had such a great career because my partner is you know so phenomenal and she keeps me cranking she's like you know what'd you do today what how did how how have you moved the needle forward you know so you know always having that you know in my corner is is immeasurable of, of, the, of the importance to that
0: you know you always hear about people constantly working like i'm like God, why does that guy go from movie to movie i mean he can't be alone with himself or that woman, can't, or that actress can't. It amazes me how you can go from one job to the next job. To the, you really, when you hear about these actors who just love acting, do, are you, do you really truly just love it? You want to act every day if you could?
2: Not every day for, for certain, you know, but when I do, I, I don't, you know, playing villains on TV for the last six years, you, you're working two days a week. And, you know, the cushy hours, you know, the doctor's hours, you know, so and I get to have a life. You know, if you're the, you know, I've been the lead guy on TV shows before and that's, it's, it's brutal. It's so, people don't understand how hard it is, you know, to do, you know, 14 hours a day plus traveling there and back, you know, before you know, hair and makeup. You know, you're 16, 17 hours a day for nine months of the year and you get burnt and you don't really get to act or in, enjoy it so much you know, now with, with, the 10 episode types of orders, it's so much more refreshing and the writing gets better and the shows are better. Um, I, I think so, you know, right now we're in that, you know, in a perfect time for, for acting that there's tons of stuff out there. Uh, you can, and if you, you know, uh, yeah, I'm blessed cause I get work, asked to work, you know, a ton, but I also love I love being in front of a camera. You know, it's, it's my favorite team sport, you know, getting in front of that camera and creating something really terrific and, you know, it's you know, for for me. I, it's the only job I've ever really had. It's the only job I, I could ever. I love how my, my thing in the buns is Morgan
0: McDonough. I just noticed. That. <laughs> I just noticed that too. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, so, um, yeah. Uh, long may I keep working because it's it's something I'm. You know, I can't pound a nail. You know, I'm I'm not good at a lot of things, but my catchphrase is, "But man, I can act." And <laughs> you know, you know, it's and it works. You know, people keep hiring me because i'm really good at what i do and i'm good on a set and and it's you know i, I love doing what i do um it pales comparison to how much i love my wife and kids yeah but that shows on the set
0: you know i would enjoy acting more if it just didn't take as long like these the like tv shows there's like all of a sudden you're four hours on one scene and when i was younger i would do it and i would play around but now you get to be in your 40s you're almost 50 and you're like these, it, it's it's a lot of work of doing the same redundancies.
2: Well, you know, I mean, you were you were on a, the, one of the biggest hit shows oh. of all time, playing one of the greatest villains of all time. Oh, you know, what, what was that like?
0: I mean, it was I wasn't the lead, so even though I had to shave my head and work, you know, three or four days a week, and there were long hours, but I, I wasn't working five, six days a week, fourteen hours like you were talking about, like Tom was. Tom had that. That was that was a handful. That was not easy. But you know, when you talk about committing, um, playing that villain it was it did weigh on me though it did weigh on me because i felt like i was always just intense i was trying i would try when the camera stopped i would make jokes and laugh and fart but like i had to because it was just so intense especially some seasons where i had to flip out but look i i i think for me i did acting because you know i was accepted i think that people as a young you know when i was in high school no one knew who I was no one cared who I was and then I did a play and all of a sudden people like oh you're pretty good at that and then I was like oh then hell I guess I should just do that and I told the story but like it's it's true and then I just started doing it because oh you're good at it and people like when you do that but I never thought for a second do you how much I enjoyed it and I think I enjoyed it for a time and I think I will again but you know I'm definitely not so eager like I used to be like I gotta work I gotta do this I think and I'm very lucky in a lot of ways and I'm very grateful, but I'm also, you know, I, I'm always curious to see, you know, th- th- how much actors really love acting and that's just their their passion or they do it because it's, it's a paycheck or, so I don't know, it gets a little convoluted. Yeah, it, 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 you know, I
2: always say if you do it for a paycheck, you do it for the wrong reasons. You have you have to do, I tell my kids or my tells the kids, you know, don't play a sport because you think that's going to be your key to getting... A scholarship for for college play sport because you love playing sport and then be the best that you can be it, it's kind of simple but you got to practice you got to put in the time you got to put in the effort you got to work hard towards something if you want to be great at something you know so for me i love acting i, I literally love being in front of a camera and creating uh, something different you know um what so you're, the play that you were in in high school <laughs>
0: do, you the play? do you remember of the play? course i do it's the play that everybody does see if you could name it guys and dolls close grease Greece. I played this so guy. So I played this guy Vince Fontaine. He was just the wacky DJ. He came and goes. Hey, hey! I'm the main brain, Vince Fontaine, spinning the stacks of wax here at the House of Wax. W a x x. Cruising time ten twenty six. Sharpshooters. And I oh, did this whole. Awesome. And I remember. for still remember f- it. Oh yeah. And for the first time in my life, I remember I was terrified. I mean, terrified to the point where I there they had this little W a x x box DJ box on the second floor of the stage and. The director said, Michael, we need to see you because I was hiding behind it. So you could just hear me we need to see your face. We need to see your face. Keep moving. Keep moving. I was so scared to be seen. And it wasn't until that play ended and I walked out and I wasn't the lead role. I wasn't a big role. And the applause, you hear a difference in applause. And I was listening. I was like, "Wait a minute!" They just applauded a lot loud, louder, loudly for whatever for me. And they just went nuts. And I, it felt. It, I had a feeling that I never had, I had before, where, hey, you're good at something. That was the first time I thought, and that that's how I became an actor is really because I think if they would have booed me off the stage, or I don't know if I was okay, or. I needed to be great in that moment to then become an actor. I had to be great. I think in that moment, in order to keep doing it and having the confidence to keep doing it.
2: That was, it was when, when I was in high school, it was, uh, and I tell my kids, I, uh, couldn't find myself. Couldn't find who I was. You know, my, my brother, uh, Made you know, selected my courses for my freshman year. And he was, my brother was just this this crazy smart guy. And my, you know, I I was failing my freshman year in high school and I didn't make the hockey team and I didn't make the baseball team. I was like, what is going on with my life? And then I auditioned for uh, Snoopy and you're a good man, Charlie Brown. And I went to the audition. My mom practiced with me at home and I went to the audition and I nailed it. And the director was like, who are you? I'm like, I'm Neil McDonough. I'm like, well, where are you from? I'm like, from from here, from Hyattis. Like, Why have I never seen you in any plays before? I'm like, I know, I've been saying the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get, I tried for the first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade plays, and I got nothing. And finally, you know, my freshman year, I get this, and my opening night, I got a standing ovation. And after that, everything in my life changed. It, you know, it was because of theater that all of a sudden, I, I started building up that confidence again. And before you know it, I was, you know, back on the sports teams, class president, class clown, all of these things. I remember, you know, listening to an album by George Carlin. So if you're going to be amount to anything in life, it starts with you becoming the class clown in high school. And I took that to heart. And, you know, I, I became the class clown. You know, who would have thought that, you know, when I came out to Hollywood to be a comedian, I turned into the very dramatic actor. Uh, wow. that, that I became, which is pretty interesting, because I was always the goofy clown guy. Uh, but if it we weren't, you know, we are similar. We had the, that that rush at 14 years old of, ooh, this is a complete acceptance right here. This is a good. F- I want to keep doing this. And then after that, it was just, it was the only job I've ever really had in my whole life is is entertaining people. Yeah,
0: and, I think the uh, stars have to align. I mean, I think they did in a, a lot of ways. It sounds for you. I mean, and for me, even I went when I went to college. I was still terrified, and and these look for everybody listening. Acting classes in the green rooms where the actors hang out—they are the most intimidating effing rooms that you could be in. They all are like, "Oh, he sucks. He's uh, you know, I'm better than him." They had this look on their faces, like they're just you know Olivier, and I'm just in there going, "I don't know." Hey, guys, trying to befriend everybody, making jokes like I did in the locker room, like you were talking about earlier. That's right. And then I remember just finally, you know, in class I was, I was, I did something and an actor comes up to me and goes, Hey, I'm directing this play. And my actor just fell off. What will you do it? And I was confronted, like, I, I'm, I don't know if I even want to become an actor really, but he, he just says, could you please do it? And I said, yes. And it was prelude to a kiss. And it was this, the pl- role of her father. And again, scared to death. But then I heard that applause again. And that, Something rang in my brain that said, okay, dude, now this is obvious. You have to do this, which right. which wasn't a good, like my father, I remember taking us out to Denny's. He was a fancy guy. We liked Denny's. And, I, and I'm like, I want to be an actor. I was like a sophomore in college and he goes, eat your steak. I'll never forget that. He goes, eat your steak. He didn't want to talk about that. It was like, he works for pharmaceutical plant. He busted his ass. He's never missed a day at work. He worked hard. He worked, you know, and then you want to be an actor. You're going to college to become a F an actor. And so, you know, I didn't get that immediate support. I don't think they, and I had to prove to myself and prove to them that I was good enough. So right. I think you're always doing that, right? You're always trying to prove to everybody that you're good.
2: It's, it's, it's once in life, you, you only have to prove to yourself that you get freedom. You know, once you, you know, how many times have you played a game of say pool against someone and you get nervous because you think that they're better than you? Well, you're going to lose that game. Yeah. And if you win that game, it is still... But once you give over to, there is no competition in life. The only person I can compete with is myself and be the best Neil McDonough that I can be. Then competition goes out the window and then you can really zone in on being the best you actually can be. You can't be if you are taking other people into consideration for competition. And that's a hard lesson to learn. You know, going to those audition rooms... You know, you'd see, you know, when you're a fresh actor you go through, you see all these other, you know, named faces in the room, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm, what, what am I even doing here? You've already lost, you know? So it, it's once you realize how unique and awesome you are that God created only one me or one you, th- then, then you don't care so much. And, and then when it doesn't go your way, you don't take it so brutally at times, you know? And when it does go your way, you don't get so overexcited because, you're like, yeah, well, that's what it should have been. You know, so you know, look at you know Roger Federer playing tennis. You know, when, when he wins, it's it was like day at the office for him. When he loses, okay, I lost that one. I'll I'll, I'll try. I got to figure out how to be better next time. You know, those kind of athletes are the ones that I always love watching because it's not overly emotional. Uh, they they just get their job done uh, and go home and kiss their wife, and and that's kind of how I've run my career um, at least for the last twenty one years.
0: So you never to this you've gotten over that whole thing of doubting or oh my god this guy's better or this you're not you've been done with that for years you go in and you do your job and you know what you're going to do and there's no fear there's no sort of uh worrying about can I can I do this when you get a role or
2: no no it's i've never i've never been that guy i've always i'm always really look i know god gave me this great talent i'm not going to waste it you know, so when it comes to entertaining, I'm, I know how to entertain. I know how to, you know, be in front of a camera. I know how to, to get the most out of other actors, how to make a scene better. You know, you know, it's something I've always, you know, I'm, I, I've always been really good at it. And, you know, it's like when you play with better players, your game gets lifted. You know, my high coach in high school says when you play with crap, you play like crap. Didn't use the crap word, Use a different word. Um, you know, and that's always kind of stuck in my brain that when you when you play with better players, your game goes up and so I love playing with great players. Um, and it's, and it's been, you know, I've, I've been blessed to be able to work with, you know, some of the greatest actors and directors in in Hollywood. And it's, it's, you know, Reve says, you know, you got to write a book saying just famous enough because you can, you know, you can travel everywhere. Everyone knows your face. You know, everyone says hi, but, but you don't have a camera stuck up your backside everywhere you go yeah, because I love acting. I'm great at what I do, but you know, it's, it, you know, my life is so much more important to me than than just acting and and um, and and bring up these five kids. That's that's paramount for for me.
0: That's beautiful. You know, Ryan was Ryan, my uh, engineer editor, was just talking before this. He's like, he was an Angels in America, uh, Angels in the Outfield, in the Outfield, yeah. Angels in the Outfield. I'm Man, that's a totally different thing, Angels. <laughs> uh, yeah, because Angels in the Outfield. But like I was, and he's like, and, and there's so many names in that okay, movie. Okay. Here,
2: here, here's here's Angels in the Outfield for you. So my mom had just passed away, and I was just. Devastated, back in 1993. When I was back home for a couple months. I was like, I don't want to keep doing this. I just kind of moved to Hollywood. I did a few mini series and stuff, and things were starting to hook. Uh And after that, I was just devastated. And then I came out to Hollywood because they were auditioning for this movie, Angels in the Elffield. And it's funny. Uh, Eisenhower's favorite film of all time was the original Angels in the Elffield. Just a little tidbit
0: there. <laughs> nice, nice.
2: Um, so you know, when I auditioned for it, and, and the script says whip bass throws pitch and I told the director you know I play college baseball you know I've got some ideas I want to make this guy really quirky and and, and, and different and such and, and he's like great perfect you get the part and because I came with such confidence so um during uh they had like a you know, baseball boot camp and, you know, it was Carney Lansford and all these types pro guys, you know, after a couple of days of boot camp, like, you know, you can just, you don't have to be here. You can just, you know, take the week off and do whatever you want, but we got to work these guys, you know, for, for baseball, because they're not a very good baseball players I'm like, great. So I went back to my hotel room and every day I would look in the mirror and try to figure out the goofiest things for this character. And so I came up with the idea of, um, and I went to the director and there's tens of thousands of fans in the stadium in Oakland. I said, it's my first shot, first shot of the movie, first shot of a movie, any movie. Uh, and I said, look, if you give me a favor, wow. can you follow me with the camera? I'm gonna come in from, you know, for first base, I'm gonna do something going into the mound. And he looks at me like I have nine heads. He's like, what? Can, can, just trust me, this one take, it's all I need is one take, but I've got this great idea I've been working out in my hotel room for the last week. And Bill Deere, bless his soul, said, okay, boys, follow me with the camera. And i worked this, this thing sliding in my in my hotel room. so. I, I would run in from first base, slide into the, the pitcher's mound, circle the mound a few times, grab the rosin bag, do this crazy stuff, and then throw the first pitch. And the place went bonkers. Just lost it. And Bill's like, you can do anything you want in your afternoon. And since then, I've worked in a, a few movies with Bill. <laughs> but it's that stupid
1: confidence
2: that I've had since I was a kid that my mom instilled in me. There's no one like you, Neil. There's no one like you. You, you know, As a kid, I had dyslexia. I had a lisp. I had all these impediments against me. You know, you know and, and and to 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 have this kind of confidence that my mom instilled in me, you know, was, you know, amazing. And then, you know, when I met Ravey in 2000, you know, I finally had someone, you know, a woman in my, my corner again and still infusing that confidence in me. And, it, and it's just kept going. But I've been blessed that I've had two women mentors in my life that have always kind of pressed me to be the best that I could be. And because of that, I have is dumb confidence and, and I can get up in front of thousands of people and speak and, and, you know, and do these things because, you know, that that's the messages that I have and who I am and what I stand for is, is you know, it's, I guess it's kind of unique and it's just, it's me. And
0: Have you ever you know, had a director call you like Spielberg or anybody like that? Just, you just nodded your head. Spielberg called you?
2: Yeah, well, one of the the best calls that Stephen ever made to me was uh, we had just done a uh, pilot called uh, Boomtown. You know, I just did Band of Brothers and I just did uh, uh, Minority Report. Uh, and it was supposed to be Jimmy Smith. It was supposed to play this Hispanic, swarthy, lover-type guy on, on Boomtown. And he dropped out on the 11th hour. And Stephen said, what about Neil McDonough? And uh, he, they called me and I uh, auditioned for it and I got the part. And pilot went great. It was an awesome show. Uh, and we are in Montreal uh, doing Timeline. Uh, and I still didn't, didn't have a whole lot of money at the time. And Ravey and I went into this really high end jewelry store looking at, you know, wedding rings. And she saw one and she said, this is the one that I really want. I was like, Oh my gosh, it's so expensive. Oh my gosh. I'll never, I'll never be able to afford this. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? <laughs> bring, 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 bring. Hi, Steven. Hey, Neil, what are you doing right now? I'm in a jewelry shop looking for a ring for Reve. He goes, buy her one the size of Texas because Boomtown just got picked up for a full season. OK, thank
0: you. Bye. <laughs> what? He called you?
2: And, and, that, and that was it. You know, and and, and you know, I went to the, the to, to the guy I said,
0: oh, my.
2: Can you hold this ring for me for like a month or two. Here's a little money. But I just want to make sure that this money's coming in. But this is the ring she wants. He's like, no problem. I'll, I'll save it for you. And he did. And, <sighs> uh, you know, if it weren't for Steven Spielberg, my gosh, I would certainly not be here talking to you right now because. You know, you know, giving a guy, you know, I basically stopped acting in, in the late 90s. In 99, I was like, you know, I did pretty well. had a good career. It wasn't really, you know, really taking off. It was, you know, 10 years now of, of doing it. You know, had, had fun. I'll just go home and do, you know, local theater in Boston or, or whatever. But I'll go home and run the motel with my my, my dad and, you know, we'll, we'll do that. And then I got a call. Um, a friend of mine said, Stephen Spielberg's looking for you for this show called Band of Brothers. Like, really? Because yeah, they want you to audition. I was like, When? Uh, Tuesday. Uh, and I got a one-way ticket because I was not good, not get, I was going to get this part. Uh, One way ticket for six hundred and ninety-three dollars. That's all the money I had. And I slept, I went in audition for it. Uh and when I went into audition, um, there's like 15 people in the room. But at this point, I I, I had no fear whatsoever because if it didn't work, I'm going back to Cape Cod. It's good. Uh and I'm like, who do I read with? And all of a sudden this hand reaches up and it's Tom Hanks. <laughs> what the heck is going on here? Yep. Uh, and after about 10 seconds, he diffused any tension and did the audition. And after the audition, he says, you know, that you crushed that? Don't you? I'm like, yeah, I do. He goes, all right. Why don't you come back tomorrow and i let you read for Buck Compton. Great. Came back to the next day and I read for Buck Compton and slept on my buddy's uh, closet floor uh, for three months waiting for the final callback. And we got the final callback and then, I finally got the part, and you know, I remember the first call was to my dad that you know that I got Banner Brothers, and then, you know, the first night I got to London, I met Rave, and because of that, we, then we did, you know, when we were we, in another great Steven stories, we were at the Banner Brothers at the Golden Globes. We just won the Golden Globe for, for best miniseries, and we tried to get into Trader Vix. It was me and Rave and a bunch of the, the, the Banner Brothers guys, and you know, the security guys. They're like. Uh, no, there's a certain roped off area that was just all the huge celebrities and they weren't having none of us. Uh, and Stephen saw Reveille and I and he walked across and he grabbed me and he, he had to lift the, the, the rope. He says, Come, he says, Come on in. And he goes, uh, How do you feel? Goes, it was great. It was a great, it was a great night. And he goes, How would you like to play Tom Cruise's best pal in order report? And I squeezed Reveille's hard, her hand. Like I literally thought I broke every. And I'm trying to be like Steve McQueen. cool. Yeah, Stephen, it sounds great. I'd love to do that. that would be fantastic. Meanwhile, inside, I'm just like, you know fireworks and it's going bonkers
0: inside i and would was, be an i would be an idiot me i'd be like what are you kidding hell yeah i would
2: <laughs> yeah. and it was you know so he's you know from that and you know you know other you know flags of our fathers and, and public morals and you know i'm missing of he children. loves
0: you wow to have steven spielberg in your corner you're yeah, doing all
2: right and he's he was he's been certainly a mentor to me and you know, and, and phenomenal to my career, and, and I, I can never, ever say thank you enough to Steven Spielberg for giving me the opportunity, because who knows if I ever would have met, Robert? I am sure I would have, but you know, uh, the, the life that I've had ever since I met Steven, compared to before I met Steven, uh, it's, it's the gift that keeps giving every day.
0: All right, this is called, this is it, this is called uh, Rapid Fire with, uh, I'm sorry, this is called Shit Talking with Neil McDonough. This is uh, Rapid Fire, so you just answer fast. These are from my patrons, if you wanna join Patreon, please do patreon.com slash inside of you it's a fun family here we go Lee p you have been in many tv series over the years and played many roles are there any roles or genres that you refuse to portray or act in
2: no B- badly
0: written ones <laughs> lauren w you're such a nice guy in real life what is the most fun bad guy you have ever played
2: Walking Tall was a blast because I got to do it opposite Dwayne, and he's such a great. Guy. But one of my favorite scenes of all time was was uh, the last scene where he takes the, the the big wood log and smashes my legs against the trees. And Dwayne was having a hard time coming up with that. <laughs> Instead of just that look on his face, the director's like, "No, no, no, emotional, uh, emotional. You got to get emotional." And I'm sitting the cameras on him. My face is right here, the camera's right here, and here's Dwayne right in front. Of him. Emotional. He's like, "I can't like, Emotion. he need, get emotional. Can't get mic, Hold on, one second. I go over to the craft service table and I give a four or five, and this is where the stupid confidence comes back in. I give a four or five packets of ketchup and I squeeze them into my mouth. And the director sees what I'm doing. And he yells action and he smashes my legs. And as soon as he smashes my legs, I spit blood all over his face, which is ketchup. To look on Dwayne's face, I thought he was literally going to kill me. And he swung so hard with this rubber mallet that, you know, and afterwards I, I fell to the floor laughing in hysterics because, you know, I, it worked. I got him, but it was, you know, to play, to be, you know, into that kind of character and play that and really tap into it. And also to help out another actor to, to, to be the best that he can possibly be. It was one of the, was, was, you know, you know, when you look at all the villains that i play and I play a lot of them. It, it's hard to beat that one. You know, Yellowstone was great because I got to go opposite Kevin, which is, you know, Kevin costers pound for pound, I consider probably the greatest you know screen actor of all time. He understands the camera better than anybody. Um, but uh, working with Dwayne was, was... Wow.
0: Michelle Kay, if you could have a mulligan for something, what would it be?
2: A mulligan for something? Yeah, I'm kind it's of funny. trying to
0: figure out... The, I know what a mulligan is. Like in golf, you get an extra swing, right?
2: Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. My, my daughter Clover, a couple weeks ago, asked me, Dad, if you could go back and, and be 45 instead of 55 would you do it and i said no i said if, if, if that were the case i would have missed all the steps between 45 and 55 and watching all you kids grow and and and, and all that stuff so you know i wouldn't change I, i'm i'm not really a mulligan guy you, you, you know what 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 god's given me is so you know knee bucklingly incredible and, and and awesome and inspiring and you, you know so you learn from your mistakes and if you don't learn from your mistakes, you're not really being a great human being. We all make mistakes. We all do dumb stuff, but it, like I said before, it's, it's the ones who, who, who get up and dust themselves off and realize, you know, what they did and try to be better. And and so mulligans to me aren't, aren't so interesting. Um, so no.
0: All right. No mulligans, man. Uh, last one, little Lisa, do you have any funny behind the scenes stories from arrow or legends of tomorrow?
2: Um, the, the, well, go, go if if I had to do a mulligan. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the only the only thing that I miss in my life is pairing the two greatest women that I've ever had in my life in the same room. You know, my mom never met Rebae, and that's.
0: I appreciate you. I mean, I could see how important that is to you. I mean that that came that, to you. I mean, you don't need you don't need to much, say bro. anything. You don't need to say anything after that.
2: Mushroom, sure if it's a mulligan, but, you know, it'll happen one day later on when when, it, when it, we're all said and done. But, you know. You got it, me
0: we... going, man. Come on. You're getting me going now, Neil. See, you're doing what you did to The Rock to me. <laughs> catch up, please. You're rocking me. me. You're <laughs> rocking me right now. Gosh. Uh, but by the way, did you have any impressions?
2: No. You know, and it's, 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 people say, tell me a joke. I, c- I can't remember a joke to save my life. You know, it's. <laughs> You know, impressions, you know, I'm not much of the impression guy. You know, I've always loved Ted Baxter, oh, you know, from the Mary Tyler Moore show. You know, that a good day, good night, good news. You know, those kinds of guys <laughs> I good. loved growing up. Yeah. Um, but impressions, you know, I guess impressions kind of like, you know, my priest growing up, you know, yeah, you know, yeah. You know, Father Duffy was this, you know, I remember at my, at my mom's funeral. <laughs> I was talking to my brother about it earlier today. Father Duffy was, the you know, uh, this priest who'd been on there way too long and uh, was a friend of the family, but he, he had all sides. And at my mother's funeral, he, he started, Father Duffy, you know, from Boston, started talking about Karen McDougal, how, how how close she is, who's Catherine McDonough. And his sidekick, Father Oza, would be, yeah, Catherine would, uh, you know, and in the Himalayas, the Ouija boards, and literally, he'd go off on these tangents. So, you know, if I'm doing an impression, it's about, it's about it's generally people, characters from... <laughs> Me growing up as a kid in Boston, that that these characters are just so, you know, embedded, you know, in in, in my skull uh, that, you know, I use those characters uh, for characters that I play. And uh, I I love being able to tap into the crazy, bizarre world of growing up in Boston, uh, in Cape Cod and, and finding these real life, you know, from, from very wealthy businessmen to carpenters who have dream problems or businessmen who have dream problems. And anyway, they all yeah. have dream problems. Awesome. Um, you know, so it, that's, that's, that's,
0: those cool. are my impressions. Well, man, this is, this is, I hope you had fun. This has been really fun for me. And I, it, I, I, ha- I hate that this is the way we have to catch up, but Hey, I love that. We, I got to know so much more about you and the family and, and your life. And I really appreciate you taking the time and I can't wait to, to see you guys again. I really can't. So we got to make that happen.
2: It, it, it was awesome. It's been too long. Last time I saw you was you know in a locker, room, you know, in a locker room.
0: Was I dressed? Was I dressed now?
2: Uh, kind of dressed, somewhat dressed. Yeah, Keep it clean. No, not keep it clean. You I was. dressed. but um, yeah, you know, but, uh, yeah, I, you know I, I miss seeing you. Now that we're moving back to. We're we're really excited about that, and excited to get home and um, be. You know, my brother in law Ryan, who's you know one of my best friends you know, to hang out with Ryan and Jen and, you know, all my other friends back in in Los Angeles and, and to, uh, to be back there is, is I, I can't wait to get back. I well, I want to hang <laughs> out with, with you, you when
0: you come back. You got to invite me over. I got to meet the kids and all that.
2: Oh, you will. You will for sure. For sure. I would love I that.
0: Wait. I would love that. I'll keep it clean. Don't worry. I, mean, I know what I'm doing here. They've heard
2: it all. They've heard it all. They
0: have. Um, This has been a joy. I love you. Give my love to Reve and uh, thanks for doing this. Thanks, brother. All right, man. God bless you guys. Thanks God bless again. you thanks for listening to the podcast today. Uh, I really appreciate it. If you like the podcast, if you want to subscribe that would be grand. spread the word go on our uh, uh, Twitter what's the, uh, uh, the the handles if they want to follow us they are
2: at inside of you pod on Twitter at inside of you podcast on Instagram and
0: Facebook. Yes, that would be amazing And subscribe go to YouTube you can watch these uh, spread the word. Also just another shout out to my patrons who I love you. Uh, if you want to join and uh, give a little to the podcast a little indigestion here. If you want to give a little more to the podcast, you can go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash inside of you, and I'll write you a message after you join, and uh, there's lots of perks, and it's a bunch of great stuff. It's become a big family. A lot of people become very close friends through the Patreon. I never knew what it was, and now I just think it's think the world of it because so many people have gotten so close. Have you heard that? Yeah. Who doesn't want a new friend? Yeah. I mean, you really do meet people who have the same interests and I can name many people. Uh, Leanne's become friends with Janine and, uh, uh, you know, um, Betsy's become good friends with, I mean, it's just like, you know, they, I see it and it makes me smile. So join Patreon, go to patreon.com slash inside of you. Also go to the inside of you online store. If you want any merch, great merch, um, Lex Luthor stuff and the sunspin.com you can get uh, band stuff like this cool shirt i'm wearing and you can book a zoom with me and uh, and you can check when we're playing cuz we play every month so ryan did you have a uh, did you have a good week yeah i had a go i had a good week i didn't ask you on the intro no cuz we got to save for the outros now because we got to get to it. Well, we we can get to it, but it's nice to just at least, you know, see check in. Yeah, week was fine. You you're doing well. You got okay. a haircut? I I got a haircut and you got a haircut. We had a week of haircuts. We did. We look, look, at look us. we I think we look a little younger. We I shaved. know you do. We I don't shaved. know if I look younger with a haircut. I think I look older with a haircut. No, I think you look younger with a haircut. Are you sure? Yeah. Is it the glasses that make me older? Let's get inside of the patrons. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to sh- give the shout-outs. These are to the top-tier patrons who give a lot to the podcast, and I don't forget them. I think about them fondly, and they go above and beyond. Let's go. Nancy D., Leah S., Trisha F., Sarah V., Little Lisa, Yukiko, Jill E., Brian H., Mama, Lauren, Nico P., Jerry W., Robert L., Jason W. Apothean. Kristen K, Amelia O, Allison L, Raj C, Joshua D, Emily S, CJP, Samantha M, Jennifer N, Stacy L, Jen S, Jamal F, Janelle B, Kimberly E, Mike E, L Don Supremo, that's Dan 99 more, Ramira, Santiago M, Sarah F, Chad W, Leanne P, Janine R, Ray A, Maya P, Maddie S, Shannon D, Matt W, Belinda. N. Don't know how you got that one. James R. Chris H. Dave H. Spider Man. Chase. Sheila G. Brad D. Ray H. Tabitha T. Tom N. Liliana A. Michelle K. Michael S. Talia M. Betsy D. Claire Baby. Claire Baby. <laughs> Laura L. Chad L. Rochelle. Nathan E. Marion. Meg K. Janelle P. Trav L. Dan N. O. Ah Jetta, Ah Jetta, Ah Jetta, ah, ah, Lorraine G, Carrie H, Veronica K, Big Stevie W, Kendall T, Carol D, Angel M, Rhiannon C. I don't think that's it. I think I have it's a, not few, f- oh, a few more. There's a few more. How do you know that? Because I know. I know what the last few look like. All right, you're right. It's not Rhiannon C. Corey K, Super Sam, Emily C, Coleman G dev nexon michelle a liz l jeremy c andy t cody r sebastian k gavinator and h dave c elliot m john b brandy d yavor camille s bono or bano bono we do this every time the c the c like the and then the letter c joey m pts and willie f hey thanks for uh the new listeners the new uh, members of patreon and uh I really appreciate it. My week was pretty uh, was pretty good. I'm always, you know, I'm working on myself and uh, working on the stress levels and the anxiety and trying to, you know, we can control our thoughts in a lot of ways. It's not really that you can control your thoughts, it's, but you could sort of guide your thoughts and you can, like, stop yourself when you're going down this dark path and say, stop, this is a thought. This isn't real. This hasn't happened. I do that sometimes. I stop myself. Like, Shut the fuck up. This isn't real. What are you doing to yourself? Anyway, I'll leave you with that. Uh, from the Hollywood Hills. The Hollywood Hills, of California. That California. was Michael Rose, Bob, and I, Ryan Taylor, over here. Hello, we're going to wave that camera. camera. We wave to the camera. We do it all the time. And uh, thank you for allowing me to be inside of each and every one of you. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Thanks for supporting the podcast, supporting me, supporting Ryan, Bryce, um, all of us. And uh, yeah, thank you. Thank you so much.